0: A Weekend with Jason Dacey Replay from Money FM
1: 89.3. Let's now talk about the beautiful game and, mm. uh, you know, stories uh, that have broken in the last few days, including uh, Gordon Banks, who was England's World Cup winning goalkeeper from 1966. He's died at the age of 81. Uh, he made 73 international appearances, lifted the 1966 World Cup in England's 4-2 win over West Germany. You know, funny enough, I think, Gordon Banks was probably the first English footballer that I liked. Yeah. Because I remember the first World Cup was 1970. I can remember the World Cup 1970. I remember the – of course, we didn't have TV in Australia. They didn't have TV coverage. But Until I, five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember the, uh, the magazines that came out, and there was Pele's picture in that canary yellow jersey, mm. and there was this other guy, this goalkeeper. You know, He had that kind of almost like Asian eyes, uh, Gordon Banks. He looked mm. a bit Asian, and I always liked him. I don't know why. Something mm. about Gordon Banks – He just had something about him that really um, made me follow him. And I guess that was my first man crush when it came to football was Gordon Banks. And here he is passing away. And the sad thing was, Neil, that he was supposed to get a knighthood. Yeah. Did you hear about that?
0: I did. And I think it's a travesty that they never got knighthoods anyway, the Mm. whole team. I mean, when you think that... The, the recent England team made the semi-finals essentially playing bowling pins all the way through to the semi-final just knocking them over yeah. and there's talk of them getting all kinds of awards and I think Gareth Southgate was awarded right? I think he got an OBE He's, or yes, something. Yes he did, yes. You know all these World Cups only 11 Englishmen have ever lifted the, the World mm. Cup only one goalkeeper Gordon yep. Banks obviously so it was a travesty that As it stands, only Bobby Moore, who since passed away... No, Bobby Moore wasn't. No, Bobby Moore wasn't knighted. It was uh, Jeff Hurst is the only World Cup winner in the English team to get a knighthood for Mm. his hat trick. And to think that Gordon Banks, by many people's estimates, is one of the greatest uh, goalkeepers of all time in any uh, nationality, in any jersey, I think is a travesty. And you talk about that 70 World Cup... We've got to talk about the save first because people always go back to the Pelé save. It is an extraordinary save. I'm sure listeners have seen it by now. But if you haven't, watch it on YouTube. It's all over social media. And it's all about the direction. He was going in a different direction. He was going the wrong way because Mm. the cross comes in, I think, from Jarzinho, who hits it almost first time on the right wing. It's a perfect cross on the run. So as he's about to make the cross... And as a former goalkeeper myself, Mm. and I'll get to this in a moment, you have to cover your angles. So Banks has to gravitate towards the near post. Mm. And the second he goes in that direction, the cross comes in. Mm. So he's running in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. His body body shape is all wrong. It goes right over. It loops towards the far post. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Pele leaps like a salmon, only a small guy. (laughs) Leaps like a salmon, downward header. And Pele, this is the famous part, Pele shouts goal. He is so certain right. it's I didn't going know in. He I didn't shouts know yeah. goal, wow. right? He almost has, if you watch it, he's about to start celebrating. Mm. The ball bounces down, mm-hmm. hits the ground, which mm-hmm. makes the save even harder yep. because it changes the direction. Yep. And just as it skips up off the turf on the goal line, mm. Banks somehow changes direction. And this is where he admits he gets a little bit of luck because you make your own luck. The spin of the ball, he makes contact. He gets two hands onto it. And the spin of the ball takes it over the bar, which right. is extraordinary because he's mm. down at the ground, mm-hmm. you know, and it spins up and loops over the bar. It is even today, you know, the game is faster. There are more camera angles. Yep. There are more TV setups. You know, you have 60 cameras at a big game. It still holds up as a staggering save. But it wasn't Gordon Banks' favourite save. That's amazing. You know what was? No. It is a dagger to my heart, Jason. It's a dagger. <laughs> Because it was against West Ham. Oh, and who was he playing for? Because he played for like Stoke. Leicester. This Stoke. was Stoke. Okay. Ninety. And, and again, listeners, go on YouTube. Mm. You'll probably agree with Banks. Nineteen seventy-two, yep. League Cup semi-final. The closest that West Ham, my team, mm. had ever come to winning a trophy since dinosaurs roamed the earth. Yeah. Right. There's a penalty awarded late on in the game. Mm-hmm. Jeff Hurst himself, Banks' World Cup final-winning colleague. Yep. Never missed. Never missed. Mm. He had one route to goal, one technique, power. Mm. He smashes, and I mean smashes this penalty. Jeff Hurst does nothing wrong. He smashes it into the top corner Mm -hmm. and Banks somehow gets it. And that save is staggering. And Stoke went on to win the cup. And not only is it staggering, it happened in 1972. Shortly after that, the poor man had his car accident And lost the sight in one eye and was never the same again. So the point I'm making is you see that penalty save from Jeff Hurst, Mm. 1972. This was a man who was at his colossal best. And he was almost robbed of actually his best years. Because his best years came later, early Mm. 70s. But then the car accident... And that was it. Yeah, that was part of uh, my intrigue with him as a kid, you know, having followed the
1: 1970 World Cup and then looked at the magazines and saw Gordon Banks and seeing with his slightly Asian eyes and, the, the you know, the mystery of his save of Pelé. And and there was uh, this sadness about his career being cut short at the age mm. of 34 because he lost the side
0: of his right Which is eye. nothing for a goalkeeper, no, 34. it's nothing. You
1: know? It's nothing, and, you know, being injured in a road accident. I mean, David James, who I've interacted in. In India recently with, you know, he was well into his 40s
0: playing, uh, you know, Premier League football. Yes, you interacted with David James in India. I don't even know what that means, Jason. But we'll leave that <laughs> yeah, one there well, with been, your man crushes he, and your Asian yeah. eyes and everything else. <laughs> yes,
1: carry yeah, on. But, but look, you know, Gordon Banks, to me, uh, he just had something about him. And the fact that um, he didn't get his knighthood, that really saddens me. In, in many ways, he had that glory of 66 winning the, the World Cup the incredible save of 1970, but then his career cut short in 1972, losing his eye and then not getting a knighthood, you know? It's, and yeah. It, and I guess people have met – I've never met him, but uh, people have said
0: that he's a, he was a really nice guy too and, and had this kind of charm about him as they well. They all were. They were from that generation. Mm. I've met a few of the World Cup winners, not Banks, and mm. it is one of my regrets because – As a young junior goalkeeper myself, Mm. not a very good one, I played in the same junior team as John Terry uh, the Chelsea and England centre-back. Not at the same time, (laughs) I might add. And my mother... Bless her, cotton socks. Uh, I don't want to get the violins out so early in the morning, but uh, my parents divorced when I was very young and I was Mm. raised by my mother. Mm. So she would go to this male-dominated sport, right? So Mm -hmm. there'd be all these fathers on the touchline and one woman, my mother. And she came one time and she was only allowed to come one time because she didn't know football. She didn't know football chants or football slogans or football, you know, (laughs) gestures of encouragement. So she knew two things and I was the goalkeeper. Safe hands and banks of England. right? So every time I caught the ball safe hands Banks of England Banks of England Banks of England my boy and she would do it all the time if I dropped the ball safe hands safe hands mum would you please shut up and she would say anything I would take a goal kick safe hands look at that safe hands I'm kicking the ball there's no hands involved the way our parents embarrass us so I was Banks of England for 90 minutes until my mother was subsequently banned and never allowed anywhere near my football matches again so that was one story Second story, very briefly, Peter Bonetti. Yep. Now, Peter Bonetti, I feel so sorry for this guy because he has been mentioned in every single obituary about Gordon Banks this week. Because, as you know, famously in 1970, Gordon Banks got uh, was food uh, went down with food poisoning. Correct. In the in, uh, was it the quarterfinals? I think against mm. West Germany. It looks like to me he was poisoned uh, mm. by someone uh, within the hotel. But so Peter Benetti played. And Peter Bonetti did not have a great game. I mean, arguably two of those goals were down to him, and they went out. They were 2-0 up. They lost yep, 3-2. Yep. Everybody says in every obituary written this week, had Banks have played, you know, they'd have won that game. Mm. And they'd have probably gone on, certainly to the final. Who knows what happens in the final? And I've met Peter Bonetti. Mm. I've had dinner with him mm. uh, in, Malay- in uh, Indonesia. in mm. Indonesia. And you just couldn't mention Gordon Banks at the dinner. You just couldn't mention him because he's lived under the weight of this man's sheer aura and power and magnitude for all those years. You Mm. just couldn't mention him. So imagine what it must have been like for the other goalkeepers around Banks' time to play in the the shadow of this great man. So that just reminds me again, what a goalkeeper, Mm. what a presence he had. Amazing. This is the beautiful game
1: segment here on Money FM 89.3. Another story over the last few days refugee footballer Hakim Al Arabi made a triumphant return to Australia, the Bahraini, ending a harrowing two months in a Thai detention centre. And uh, this was a, a really big story acro- across football that mm. FIFA got involved, the AFC. Uh, and this was a story where Hakim, had, you know, he was an amateur footballer from Australia based in your former state of Victoria. Mm. He went on his honeymoon to Bangkok, having been a refugee and got refugee status, incorrectly red flagged by Australian authorities. Yep. And his uh, he was wanted for a crime that he said he didn't commit in his native Bahrain, was arrested because of the red flag. Mm. And there was this massive um, campaign to get him extradited back to Bahrain to face mm. the, the music. And he, he believes he would have been killed or tortured if he went back to Bahrain. But uh, a lot of people, including former Singapore-based Craig Foster, an ex-national player from Australia, prominent media identity, w- in launched this amazing campaign, Save Hakim. And the good news is he's back in Australia. He's away from the dangers of being extradited. And I think he's going to be think
0: twice about traveling outside Australia again. Yes, there is nothing positive about this story apart from the ending. Mm. And we both know Craig Foster a little mm. bit. We've, we've spoken to him before on shows we've done in the past. He gets tremendous credit for this. And the reason he gets tremendous credit is because the silence from the authorities was absolutely def- deafening. Mm. As deafening as it was disgusting. Yeah. There is no way of sugarcoating this. It was appalling. Where was FIFA? Where was the AFC? They did nothing. Well, they did eventually, but no, they no, were no, a bit no. slow I'm not going to. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You can mm. say whatever you like. I'm not sugarcoating mm. it. The, the AFC president is Sheikh Salman, the same guy who's the, the Bahraini, who's the Bahraini royal mm. who, who, who allegedly, reportedly, as part of the crackdown in Bahrain after the Arab Spring, yeah, uh, 2011, yeah, protest allegedly, Mm. reportedly, lots of uh, commentaries out there you can read in The Guardian and Amnesty International, uh, What arrested, rounded up athletes, sports people, Mm. and allegedly had them tortured. I keep saying allegedly, but it's out there. Everyone can read it. Mm. Now, this is the same guy who is uh, currently the AFC president. The AFC did nothing until the public... Backlash became so immense mm-hmm. that the AFC issued a statement saying that uh, Sheikh has recused himself. Yes, because, he,
1: because recusing means he he's too much involved because of his Bahraini background. So he's t- yeah, stepped aside. Yeah, there's a conflict of interest. That,
0: yeah. Now, uh, the footballer Hakeem was allegedly arrested for an act of vandalism. It, it sounds like a preposterous trumped up tra- charge at a time when he was actually on television live playing a football match is the time he was supposedly committing this act of vandalism. Mm. It is preposterous. What is much more likely is he was red flagged because he has been critical um, uh, of the alleged abuse carried out by the Barani, uh, Barani royal family yeah. after the subsequent crackdown against athletes and so on. Including his brother, I think, was yes. also involved. Yes. So, it's just terrible, you know, just think about this for a moment, right? While he's being detained, on the day he's being detained, the president of FIFA, Gianni Infantino, he's giving out the medals at the AFC Asian Cup final alongside Sheik Salman, mm. The guy standing with him, yep. you know, giving out these medals. Yep. The very guy who would have known that on that same day, Hakim was about to be detained in Thailand. There's no way he didn't know. FIFA said nothing. Uh, AFC said nothing until the very last minute. Football Australia, the FFA, mm. were quite slow to react mm-hmm. until the last minute. It was only when it built up such a momentum, mm. when everybody got involved, there was a statement from Olympians, Tim Cahill, Gary Lineker, mm. a lot of very prominent sports people, Australian, domestic, international. The backlash was so big that AFC and FIFA had to respond. And now, th- there is talk that uh, Sheikh Salman wants to stand as FIFA president yep. next year, yep. hence the reason why he's been very quiet and he stepped back. And remember, both him and uh, Infantino stood after Seb Blatter and their mandate, their proposal for change was clean up the cor- corruption, transparency, clean up the, clean mm. up the crime, clean, you know, yeah. and so on and so on. So this case, I think, Shows again, an issue we touch on almost every week on this show, Money FM. It comes back to money and power and corruption. Right now, you're seeing all kinds of issues in Qatar, in the Middle East. The the British supporter, did you see recently, wore a Qatari shirt. He had no idea what he was doing, was arrested and allegedly tortured. So what is happening is you've got Middle Eastern politics spilling over Mm -hmm. into international sport. And clearly, the two should be kept separate. And until they are kept separate, you're going to keep having stories like this and hypocrisies like this. So I say praise Craig Foster Praise all the supporters who helped Hakim, But this is just the tip of the iceberg. Yep. Craig Foster, of course, used to be based in Singapore, actually appeared as a
1: reporter on Singapore television. Is that right? Yes, that's true. That's true. And uh, the last word from uh, refugee footballer Hakim al-Arabi, he says, I don't have citizenship yet, but my country is Australia. I will die in Australia and I love Australia. And I don't think we're going to see him taking many trips to Thailand or anywhere else because it's dangerous because of what he said about Good his point. former country, Bahrain. This has been the Beautiful Game segment here on Money FM 89.3.